welcome along to another Forever Blue podcast. Uh, I'm Ian Cheeseman. I'm your host tonight. Sounds really posh, that, doesn't it? Um, we're at the Holiday Inn near Central Park, who accommodates us as a recording studio, if you like. So thanks very much to them. And very big thanks to D&W Cars, which is a second-hand car dealer run by two great uh, business partners. I've been along several times now uh, to their venue, and uh, they legitimately want to be known as honest car dealers. And you might think that's a little bit of a contradiction in terms, but trust me, if you met them, you'd realise that they really care about that. And I can recommend, by the way, they've got a little pool table. You'll love this, Paul. I've seen the video. Yeah, they've got a little pool table, so when you go and buy a car or talk to them or you're waiting to sign your documents, you can beat um, Stuart Pool, which I didn't do, right? (laughs) So that's all. They're They're in Castleton, which is near Rochdale, and you'll see that when I tweet out the links to the podcast that their uh, Twitter's in there. So give them a follow. They're supporting me and I really appreciate it. Now, I've got uh, three uh, guests with me tonight. So I'll let them introduce themselves, starting with uh, the man in the bobble hat. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to say Gary Neville, then, Ian, no? No, no. Benioff Crossroads. Right, let me compose myself here. Right, I'm Alan <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, a, I'm a diehard blue uh, season, season card holder. Uh, Gary Neville lookalike. Um, Ian's right-hand man. Adore Manchester City um, on Ian's vlogs. If you've if you've seen them, fantastic. And uh, and yeah, I love I love coming down and doing this. Uh, I'm Paul, owner of Prestige Car Repairs. Um, Andre Agassi look alike. Um, <laughs> that's about it, really. In his life, dreams. Yeah, lifelong City fan. Love oh, it, Neville. <laughs> and we have a newbie today. You do, yeah. Um, I'm Louisa. Um, I've been a plastic blue for about forty five years. Uh, Share a season ticket with my daddy over at the Etihad, um, and I've uh, known Ian for quite a while, what do we reckon now, about eight years? Probably, um, yeah, yeah. I used to do a bit of Blue Tuesday with Ian back in the day, yeah. so uh, yeah, so that's me, but new to this. So welcome, um, and obviously the job in the next uh, hour or so, however long we talk for, is Talk City, and it must all start, of course, with the magnificent victory <laughs> against Chelsea. Um, I've got to say that uh, I thought it was an unbelievable performance, uh, that I, I said in, in the vlog, I said on Twitter, it was like watching CGI footballers. Um, they had legs that moved in directions I didn't think human legs were supposed to move in. The intricacy of the passing at times was sensational. The movement off the ball was fantastic. I can't find fault in anything that I saw on the field. Um, picking a man of the match, obviously Sergio Aguero is the standout player because he got a hat-trick, because he's a record-breaker. His work rate, his goal scoring, the screamer into the top corner, whichever way you look at it, fantastic performance. Bernardo Silva, who at the moment um, is just having an amazing season, probably to me has been the player of the season, um, is is always a a massive contributor. One player that I want to talk about in a bit more depth with you all a little later on is uh, Alexander Zinchenko. But I was also singling out for some particular praise because before the game I heard a few people worrying about him playing. And I understand why they were worried about him playing. But personally, um, I I thought he had an exceptional game. Uh, But as I say, it's a subject that perhaps deserves a little bit more in-depth analysis. So we'll come back to that. But I couldn't find fault anywhere on the field. I thought Raheem Sterling, for example... Uh, amazing, amazing movement, yeah. trickery, uh, inventiveness, uh, just just blew me away. And I also should say that I thought Pep's team selection, which was a tricky one really to, to pick, obviously left David Silver out, he left um, Leroy Sane out, um, 
I just thought, you know, the, the big question about who's going to play at left back, was it going to be Laporte again or whatever? I thought the team selection was genius. I, I thought he got it absolutely spot on. Yeah. And and I came away from that game yesterday, and again, it, this is somewhere we'll go, I'm sure, with the conversation, yeah. hearing people on Match of the Day and in other platforms saying, well, Chelsea were rubbish, and, and, it, and it became, the story seemed to be all about <coughs> Chelsea not being very good. Instead of all being... And I actually yeah, thought, absolutely. especially, and, and correct them if I'm wrong, and I'll stop wittering in a minute and let you talk, <laughs> but in a, you know the first 10 or 15 minutes, I thought... Blimey, Chelsea are good. I really thought they yeah, played well in the opening yeah. yeah. and I was really I'm worried, worried about it. Yeah. They were lucky not to go one up with that Higuain. He, he, yeah. Edison thought he was offside, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He yeah. didn't come for the ball and you know, the ball just bounced. Very lucky not to the one down there because if, <clears> if he'd have got to the ball first. And so how good was City gone. then? Tell me how good City yeah, were. Unbelievably, um, I'd go as far as saying that's one of the best home performances I've seen personally live, um, and not even live, just just all round. Um, I thought we were exceptional. Like you said, pass for pass. Um, I put a post out last night on my Facebook and Twitter. Uh, pass for pass, blade for blade, uh, press for press. I thought we were outstanding the way we pressed the ball. Uh, obviously, the analysis on match of the day as well. They were they were talking about how Chelsea aimed to press from the start and completely and utterly failed to do what they what they set out to do. Um, well, that's part of that negative Chelsea didn't play well agenda, yeah, isn't it? But, but at the same time, you've got to look at the fact that I you know I always look at this. You've got to look at the flip side of that and look at the fact that two teams playing a football match and if the opposition don't allow you to play, you're not going to be able to play. So we stopped Chelsea from playing football. We were setting traps everywhere, weren't we? Setting little traps all over the place, you know, balls moving around. It was like, yeah, let, let them have it there. Let them have the ball there. And they were just setting traps. Once again, it bang, bang, bang. Three-man trap on Jorginho. Absolutely. For the, for the, it was, just, the, um, <coughs> it was beautiful. As, as a, if you're a purist of football, that was beautiful to watch the kind of football that you that you yeah. the kind of match like you said the other week when you were talking about diving yeah. you wouldn't show your kids the diving oh. if you play for us now yeah. you take your you'd, you'd, show you'd, you'd, you'd show them over yeah. and over again it'd yeah. be like a Christmas DVD it's a, it's a masterclass for me that. I want to go back though I want to just go back to the Everton match because I thought we actually tried it in that game and mm. to me it felt like the passing was too fast and we weren't quite clicking um, forcing and, and, the pass. Yeah, it was forcing, and the players weren't <clears throat> quite getting it, if mm. you like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so whether he'd started that kind of training before that game, but it didn't quite work, I'm not so sure. Only he knows, and, and the team knows. But what I kind of think is that what, what regardless of that, he got it spot on for Chelsea, and Absolutely. it worked. So yesterday it was no accident. Worked. You believe? I no accident whatsoever. I think he's been training for that. And it just didn't quite work against Everton because I could see it. I could see the passes being, players weren't catching on to the passes and it wasn't quite coming together. And then against Chelsea, perfection. And I do not agree with Chelsea not playing well whatsoever, especially that first 10, 10 15 minutes. It's a load of rubbish. They just could not get the ball. I watched um, YouTube, it was highlights of the game and it was a foreign station with the highlights. Couldn't understand the word they were saying. And sat and watched it. And there was more highlights of Chelsea, what they did, than there was of what we did, believe it or not. Because you forgot how how many chances they had and how many good touches they had. And they did nothing because of the press from City. It, it was just... Edison I, I actually was, made a couple of really good saves in that, that game. He takes well, over to his, to his left, yeah. The thing is, yeah, it's yeah. Like, so what you're saying is, Paul, and I agree with you, I agree with you both here to an extent, and, well, completely... That if we if Chelsea were to have played anybody else yesterday, and, and that would have come off, they'd have mm. probably won the game, and they'd have yeah. probably won it comfortably as well. Yeah, 
Oh, I was, the fact I that we was far superior. The first ten, sort of like ten minutes, I was, I was pretty worried. I was. I'm sat there thinking because I stand right next to the away fans as well, so I'd kind of angled my body over there so they couldn't see me, kind of thing. You know, it's like <laughs> if they're going to score in a minute. And when and and after ten minutes, I thought. These are going to be tough. Just the traps that were set, they sprung them and bang, and it went. But then when Aguero missed that goal. <laughs> See, if we miss that, usually in years gone by, if we miss that, that's a turning point in the game, isn't it? For oh, yeah. example, De Bruyne, yeah, yeah. when we played Chelsea a few years back, De Bruyne missed that chance at 1-0. Could was... have put us 2 up, would have been game over because we were on top in the game. <clears throat> and then Willian, he brought Willian, Willian on, I think. Yeah. And he put Clichy and uh, Collar off as centre-half. Yeah. Or at centre-half, with Otamendi in between them both. And we fought massively. And it just shows you that if you miss a yeah. chance... In a game, at a key moment. But don't you think time. the fact that Aguero missed that opportunity, I could see it in him. Think you know what? He's one of them players, though, isn't he? He would never, Make his head would never that. drop no. when he misses a chance no, like that because he knows fight. that in a game, he'll get seven, eight more chances to pop it in the back of the net. And going on, moving on to the goal, Paul. It was, it was. If 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 you could patent, if you could patent that kind of strike in the Premier League. It belonged to Serge. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not talking about curling a ball into the top corner. I'm talking about the way he does it. The biomechanics, like Ian said, he's seen limbs. Well, no, never, getting, getting the technique. Yeah, he's he's, he's never, he's it. never seen legs moving in in directions that they move. Sergio's Sergio's built to do that. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean, he's perfected it, and it's it's not accidental that he hits a ball that clean and it flies in the top corner. It's 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 because the ball perfection. wasn't even spinning. It's you, you watch the replay back slowly. The ball was just no no spin on the ball. It just went. His body's conditioned, is what I'm trying to say. Biomechanically conditioned to to be able to strike a ball from that distance. People with that do technique. say that about myself, to be honest. Oh yeah. <laughs> Biomechanically, Paul is built to fix cars in this way and yeah. that way and the to other. Drink one. beer. Serious. Well, yeah. well, well, Louisa brings up a very good because uh, <clears throat> obviously I do want to talk a bit about the Everton game as well because that's happened since the last podcast. Uh, but you bring up a very good point, um, which is worth the debate in any way in itself because. Uh, the Everton performance wasn't as convincing, albeit that City mm, won that yeah. game. And so I suppose the question that comes from that, following on from your point, is that is City's style of play more suited to a certain style of opposition or was it the point that you're making, which is, or at least I'm, I'm interpreting it this way, that it hadn't quite been honed by, by, by the Everton performance? Or is it that Everton play a different way? Well, of course, every team plays a different way. Um, but I think that Pep's had to come up with some uh, new ideas because everybody's, well, not everybody, but most teams have got a sus now. You know, we did we did play that first couple of seasons with Pep where it was hard for, for other teams to even know what we were doing. Uh, you know, this new style of football that everybody talks about. So I think that there are some teams now that obviously they've done the homework. They know what we're going to do. They know what what that player's going to, who, who that player's going to pass that ball to, what we're going to do in that little sort of six yard area or 12 yard area and I think he's really had to think about changing it up for these bigger games now considering we're, we're behind Liverpool so I think I think he's changing his style himself because it because it to me that style against Chelsea and Everton albeit it didn't weren't quite connecting that's that's different that's still something quite different in my mind do you think that he could be taking it back even further that the Newcastle game where it completely went wrong mm. Do you think that was maybe it's that was the start possible, of this yeah, new? Because yeah. there's touches going astray. Yeah, that's people, exactly. The yeah. passes weren't yeah. going. Players that you would players. expect to miss players. Absolutely. Passes like David Silva, yeah, for example. Yeah, players shocking. that players that's passed completion rate over years yeah, gone by. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think David Silva has had a completion rate less than what eighty percent, eighty five percent for the last 
nine seasons. It's possible, which which brings us back to something that Ian mentioned just a little bit earlier about the players playing against Chelsea that we perhaps didn't expect. Um, And what what I'm what what I want to argue with that or debate with that is that our bench doesn't have second rate players on it. It doesn't have very very good reserves on it. Our whole bench is the first team. So, you know, I don't like all this stuff of people being laughed at because they've not got it. Like, you know, and Kyle Walker doesn't get on the pitch first off. <clears throat> it, do, it doesn't matter. He's a first-team player. It's not that he's second-rate and he's not that he's... He can have a bad couple of passes. It's the strongest bench it's the strongest, in the Premier League, it's the strongest isn't it? Strongest bench you're, not dro- you're, not dro- you're not dropped, you're rested. No, yeah. so, so when that. Zinchenko comes on and he might have been benched for a few games, that doesn't mean to say he's a second-rate player and he's not suited to the other teams. It just means some of the other players are getting a play. Some some are injured, some need to come on, some need to get mm. a bit match fit well, during mm, the game. For so, year, sorry, yeah, for, for, years, right. for years as a, as a City fan... We've kind of had a bench that just kind of made the numbers. Did up. a job. Yeah, we could mm-hmm. never. You, I'd love to have years ago when I had to say, oh, because I would say like, we've got on the bench, we've got on the bench, and you think, well, they're not going to change the game, are they? We've got a bench now, a game changes, haven't we? Yeah. And we can look at that bench and we can sort of like, you know, if it's not quite working, we can make a tactical change as opposed to isn't, isn't as opposed working. to just bringing, oh, he's all right, bring him on. Because that's how it's been mm, for years and yeah. it isn't Well, that. I accept what you're saying, but do you not still think, and, and, you know, tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong, that there is still, in Pep's mind, a first eleven, and that whilst there might be players on that bench... He picked what he considered to be his strongest eleven to start that game. And I'm a huge David Silver fan. We're all David yeah. Silver fans. Yeah. Yeah. But I have looked at David Silver in the last three or four mm. appearances and thought, mm, not yeah. quite at tight. it. Mm. You know, whatever the reason is, not quite at it. Sane, Sane, what a talent he is. Oh, what amazing. a talent. But it gives the ball away a little bit. And so you think, big game. that opposition, you can't afford to do that. Correct. Yeah, so it's Pep's it. team selection. I know what you're saying, Ian. Pep's team selection is, is, is made with, the, with, with, with him having already thought about how the opposition might approach the game from the other side. So he, he, he kind of mirrors the way the opposition will line up preempting how they're going to line up but based you also, on the dossier that he's prepared or something mm. like that. But you also have certain key games and this was a game against a fellow top six side. So clearly Newport, there'll be a very different philosophy in his team selection. There'll be much more squad rotation. And that, of course, Louisa, is when, uh, you know, the, the, there is no such thing as a first team. You know, they're all squad players. Yeah. And I, I completely accept that. All I'm trying to say is that when it hones down to one to a, to a crunch game, a must-win game against top opposition, that's when his mind, our mind, your mind, focuses on these are the 11 that I trust to win this mm. game. So therefore, while no, nobody wants to say it or admit it, David Silva wasn't in on merit yesterday. I agree with that one. Leroy yeah. Sane yeah, wasn't absolutely. in on yeah. merit. <clears throat> and yeah, and yeah. Zinchenko was selected on merit. Yeah. And, and obviously Mendy... There was all of the, the stuff about was he in Hong Kong, wasn't he in Hong Kong and all that business, which we know he wasn't. But nevertheless, that must occasionally irritate Pep a little yeah. bit. And you could tell yeah. in his reaction at the press conference that he, he was a little bit irritated by it. But there are other options. Uh, Laporte's played at left-back, as he did at Everton. And Fabian Delph has played at that position. And so too can Danilo. I think Pep, on that day, thought my best option, the player I trust... 
Trust, that's the big word, isn't it? Mm. In this game, is Zinchenko. Zinchenko delivered. Yeah, absolutely. But, but Zinchenko yeah. wasn't there because somebody was being rested or rotated. No, I, or... I'm personally thinking if Mendy was fit, Zinchenko would have played over him anyway yesterday because he was better suited to it's, it defensively. The way, I, the way I see it, it's a bit like American football where you have your special teams, isn't it? You know, MVPs and yeah, all that. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. you've got like, you know, like it's like, oh, it's this part of the field. We'll bring on, stop the game, time out, bring the special team in and do this. <laughs> they, re, they, they readjust everything, and Pep looks at the looks at the opposition. We haven't got uh, a first eleven. We've got a back. We've got a spine. We've got a spine, and everything comes from that spine. You build and off then, it. We build off it. Exactly. We ain't got a first eleven. Nobody's in that first eleven apart from there's a spine of it. Fernandinho was in there. I think we discussed it maybe. Laporte is irreplaceable for me at centre half. You know, it's the other the person that gets changed, not Laporte. Yeah. The, the only time Laporte will be rested is if it's for a rotational yeah. purpose. He'll never be taken out the team now because yeah. of a poor performance. Because I think he, he's irreplaceable. He specifies the team selection on the opposition. So he probably does what they do at Leeds. He'll have a spy going down, won't he, and watching them train and yeah. everything. And then. <laughs> yeah. That's what it'll do. I think, for example, Ian, like if if Sane had had a great, great, great run of form and he'd scored three he, or four, he goals, would have played. Do you think he'd have played on yeah. on, on, on if, if he if he was keeping possession, if he was working, and that, I'm not having a go at Sane by saying this, no, no. Um, but it's it, we're talking about at this level of perfection, fine margins, isn't it? very, very yeah. fine so margins. Going, going into the going into the next game, then, for example, he by rights, a lot of fans are going to be thinking, don't change that. That eleven, mm. but he's going to do anyway because do. it's to hardly any of them eleven will play at Newport. Yeah, no, no, oh, no that's the next game in, yeah. in, in the next league game. So but, speak, yeah. yeah, but there's three more cup yeah, ties before then. There is, but the, will, the, will, will he look at that? Me and, and go, you might get a game at Newport. Might do, yeah. Could <laughs> be used to running around in the mud. Will he apply for yeah, that? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he'll, it's, for example, say we had a league game at the weekend against the I don't know, say Spurs. That that team that he picks for that game would. Would be the team to play Spurs, not the same team yeah. just because we beat Chelsea six 0 yeah, yeah. It would be in accordance with that specific game. I think you could have an absolute blinder of a game and still not and, play the next and game. not play the next game because it, you, the, the opposition doesn't suit you. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Yeah, convinced. I'm not sure that. that Sane is. I don't know if he's got an injury or something. Has he picked something up or is he not fully don't fit? Because he don't didn't know. play the full. Am I getting this wrong? You play the full match again. Well, there may be something that we don't know about. And yeah, if it is, I don't. Yeah, I don't well, it yeah. must have been the one before because I don't. I'm not so sure. I'm not so convinced he's not fully fit or he's not full. There's something slightly Somewhere. wrong with him. I think. Possibly. Which is which explain which probably Possibly. explains why he didn't want to play him anyway against Chelsea because well, it, it was going to be a strong. The trouble. The trouble is the the options that you've got. Obviously, um, it. We've not, we, we haven't mentioned Riyad Mahrez at all because he only came on as a cameo towards the end of that game. But in terms of those wide positions, he's got Bernardo Silva, mm -hmm. Riyad Mahrez, Leroy Sane, um, uh, um, Wayne Sterling. Sterling. So you've, got, you've yeah. got four players who are all going to play and you're really only ever going to pick two of them. Yeah, and, and for me... Bernardo is, and I said this to you in last season. At the start How do you leave season, him out when he was on the when he was <laughs> playing out on the out, right hand side? I said <laughs> he would be far more beneficial to us playing in the middle of the park because whatever he can do out wide, he's got everything that you need to be able to play as an attacking midfielder, being I, creative. And I remember when he best. played as a, played against Monaco against them, and it was we're on the show, didn't, that, didn't we? And, and he, he just completely destroyed. I watched. It. I watched the, the really? highlights you're talking about the mm. ten minute reel on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I watched that game back, but it was yeah. just Bernardo like. Yeah. For the whole ten minutes, yeah, yeah, every touch every and every touch pass and everything, yeah. and watching it, I mean, he looked like the best player in the world. I yeah. like to see Pep say 
go where you want, do what you want. Yeah, Not free, just that specific area. Roam that, around. Yeah, free just rate. go where you want because most matches, he's got nobody marking. That's he can't he have anyone anyway. marking him, can he? Does he does that anyway. He's, he's, an off. Player, he's, he's, just, he's off in his own space. He and he's creates great. amazing space for himself. He thinks space. two or three balls ahead. So he'll, he'll think to pass the ball where he already knows where he's going to go. I think he's the most and complete footballer we've got at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think part of Pep's philosophy is to do the very thing you're talking about not just with Bernardo but with all the players yeah. so although we do go ah Raheem plays on the right Sane plays mm. on the left I think the whole difficulty of being an opponent against City is thinking hang on a minute where are they going to play yeah. Yeah. even yeah. within yeah. the game yeah. even within yeah. the game well yeah. even Walker's going all the way up into you know yeah. wandering around yeah going all the way up the wing you yeah. know. I mean at Everton yeah. Laporte Fernandino, started on yeah. the left but but often you know, he's part of a three, really, wasn't he? Mm, you know, yeah. so that, you yeah. know, we had Fernandinho playing in central defence. You know, the, the, there's all sorts of... And even within the game, the Fernandinho's playing all over the place. Mm. I mean, he's just a, an awesome player. Mm. Well, let, let, let's focus <clears throat> minds just for a few seconds then on this left-back <clears throat> thing. I think the the, the defence is probably the most structured bit. Would you agree with that, of the yeah. Yeah. of the team? You yeah. know, there's that, that does tend to be a bit more disciplined. So, therefore, there is still... Most of the time, apart from when Laporte um, plays there and he, he tucks in more or whatever, I would say we do play with a left back. Is Zinchenko? Have you are you convinced by what you saw against Chelsea that now, if it wasn't Newport at the weekend and it was Tottenham or it was the derby match or we were playing Liverpool or whatever, would Zinchenko be a choice or was that specifically tailored for I, I Chelsea? Think, I, I think personally, I think I think. You get the best of both worlds with Zinchenko because he can overlap, he can underlap, he can drift into midfield. Like we saw him tuck inside earlier on, I can't remember who it was against, but he ended up playing central midfield and then drifting back out to. When we were defending, he became a left back, and when we were attacking, he either became a left wing back or a central midfielder. Mm. Not a central attacking one midfielder. Did he come he, as a. He's a number 10 or a left winger, yeah, yeah, really. He came as a central attacking midfielder, didn't he? Well, yeah. It was a match where he made that big mistake, but then he came back and kind of, you know, yeah. really made up for it. What was that game? Because a lot of players have put their head down and never get over that. Oh, it was, I know which one it was. It was the one, was it not Southampton away on the 30th? And he, he made the gaff in midfield he and we conceded as a result gaff. of it. That was it. And yeah, then Pep, Pep said to him, didn't he, that he, he, he had a word with Zinchenko and said, go back out second half. And I know that what you, the mistake you've made is a one-off. And Nine times out of ten, you get it right. Half? Did he score in the second I think half? He, no, I, I, think, oh. I think what he did is, I think he did the same thing over and over. He did the perfect version of what he didn't what he should did. Have done. Yeah, you're absolutely what right. he should have yeah. done. And yeah. Pep said, I didn't need to tell him what to do. He knew it. I just needed to let him do it again, and then when he when the game had finished, he said he was the best player on the pitch. I, yeah, absolutely, right, yeah, yeah, yeah he did. because he yeah, because, because of it, not yeah. necessarily because he'd done anything special, just because he kept going he and he'd done what he knew yeah. he should have done the first time. Made up for it, didn't he? So he's human beings, aren't he? Yeah, so is Zinchenko the answer? And what if Mendy's fit? Do I think Zinchenko's a better defensive than Mendy, believe it or not. I, I watched Mendy play for Monaco against us that night, and I was absolutely mesmerised by him. As soon as I walked away from the game, a bit like you with Bernardo, I said to Jess, my girlfriend, we need to sign full we need to sign a right full back and a left full back. If we're gonna sign someone on the left, I want Mendy. If we're gonna sign a right full back, I want Sadibi. Because they both had outstanding games against us. And I personally think Mendy's one of the best, if not the best, in the league, at zipping down that left hand side and whipping a ball in. Got a great delivery. But defensively, as we saw for three or four or maybe even five games, 
he's he's he's, he's a liability and he's suspect. Mm. Maybe that's just because he's never had to do that in his career. As he had to, as he had to be a liability. I just think that the farm, the rest of the team have got themselves to now. He's nowhere near it because he's not been getting getting games. And is he defensively astute? Has he ever had to defend? Has he ever had to dig in? Do you think this injury he's got's going to be a problem? If he has another one, because he's already. He's had it in both it's knees now, hasn't he? Massive yeah. problem, isn't yeah. it? Well, I saw I saw Kingsley Kingsley Coleman that plays for Bayern Munich, winger. Not familiar he, with his he, work. He, well, I'll he, tell you what. He, he came out and said he, he's had two knee injuries, and he said the other week that if he has one more, he's only twenty three. If he have one more of these, I'm I'm calling it a day on my career. And for me, you've said both knees now, Ian. Mendy's um, just got to take care of himself, which means that now he's probably going to be a glass player. It's probably going to be someone that's only really going to be able to do what company can do well, that's not and good play half a season, it? and it's not that's, good enough. Not Whereas Mendy fully fit that can play a full season, mm. we bought him to do that job, and he may or may not be able to do that now. Which Matt, is sad. The one worry I've always had from with Mendy is that because of the way he's built, and he's he's a sprinter, he's a powerful player, that whilst he's very young, which he still is, that sometimes you can you can get away with that. Now, obviously, he's had bad luck with these knee injuries. But, you know, you look at somebody like Yaya Toure, and this is supposedly where I'm leading to, yeah. that Yaya Toure, at a relatively young age, is finished because of his physique. Whereas a David Silva um, or a Bernardo Silva or a Aguero, whatever, because of their smaller physique... Aguero, I suppose, is slightly different because he's power-packed, isn't he? So he might become prone maybe to <clears throat> pulls yeah. and stuff as he goes along. He's yeah. had to try and manage that. But those small, low centre of gravity players generally can carry on longer. So I know we're not there yet with Mendy, but because he's had two injuries, it already comes into play. That Because of that big physique... Mika, 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 I was going to say... Yeah, you're more yeah, vulnerable to it, aren't you? So yeah. that, it was always he felt like, size, in the long yeah. term, that was going to be a worry. Um Zinchenko, no, look at him. I mean, he's built perfectly as a as an athlete. He's relative relatively small, mm. but he's perfectly in proportion. You know, so he doesn't look like touch wood that he's, he's he's likely to be susceptible to injuries and stuff. It was the same, like you said, Richards. Yeah. Every time I watched Mendy play, I thought of Richards. Yeah, he, back he in was the day all right, Richards, until he bulked up. He went away one summer, bulked up. End of the season, <laughs> came back, went in the gym. Don't know why, probably to impress the ladies, maybe. I really don't know. <laughs> and he came out and he looked like a tank. If Richards had come through in mm. 2016 as, as a young kid, he'd, he'd, I reckon he'd be first choice right back then. Right wing back then. Yeah. Seriously. If we got That's Richards as he was when, under, under Pierce, under Sven and under Mark Hughes, and then under Mancini as well in that 11-12 season, when he had an absolute um, partnership going on with Nasri, as if I can remember, and he kept Zabaleta out of the team yeah. when Zabaleta was in his prime. Um, he would be playing for us now in the first team because he is he does exactly what he did for us, what exactly what Mendy does now when he's fit back then. And I think he'd be a pet player. Mika I can't Richards. remember what Mendy does now when he's fit. Well, to be honest, I know I keep, thing, I keep making jokes on his Twitter, I, I, but I, I, he's I, not responded yet. I had a bit of a turn there when you mentioned Stuart Pearce here. Oh, oh no, send, <laughs> send me to the dark place. Richards has been at Aston Villa now for. Four and a half seasons, and he's not played for two, mm. and he's fit. He's just not played. Yeah, and he's playing the centre right. Playing. Well, the you know what it's like because you've got dodgy knees, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> I have. <laughs> you know, he never been. He's built similar to Mendy. I would suggest you know a bit. Sadly, bulky. at the moment, I am. I wasn't once. <laughs> <laughs> he never been the, the three in the Messi Ronaldo yeah, yeah, debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he never been the third. Let's bring another player into the debate now, um, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm 
surrounded by City fans at Everton as I'm watching the game and over my shoulder I didn't react or turn around I'm hearing a lot of criticism of Ilkay Gundogan and and I'm th- and I'm I'm glad you two and I don't know whether Louise is going to do the same are shaking your head That's but funny. I was looking at I was listening to these voices thinking, why can you not see what I can see? But exactly. well, maybe I'm wrong, yeah. because he seems to me to be a very clever player. Very in, I know this is a different era, and so forgive me for doing this, because this is going to take, take you back to an era beyond all of you, probably. <laughs> back uh, to sepia. Yeah, we're going back <laughs> to black and white. Black and white, 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 white days, isn't it? <laughs> when Dana, the Polish player, oh, first yeah, came I into English it. football... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he played in a very different way. We're now used to it because we've got foreign footballers in the team all the time. But the thing that drove City fans uh, bananas about Kazu Dana when he first came into the team was that rather than just rushing and, and doing everything at, at, at speed and just doing the first... Whenever you got anywhere near the edge of the box, you had a shot. Kazu Dana was the player who held back took that extra stride, beat that last player, and then sometimes got dispossessed just before he was about to take the shot. And then people would have a go at him because he just lost the ball at that moment. He should have had a shot earlier. But to me, the way I looked at it was that he knew that if he took the shot earlier, it was definitely going to get blocked. By taking these extra couple of touches, then he was trying to manoeuvre himself into a position where when he eventually did, there was a good chance he could score. Mm. Now, Gundogan isn't Kazu Dane. I'm not saying that they're exactly the same. But to me, it's that superior... Um, awareness not, of everything. Yeah, he's not wasteful shoot for shooting sake. Correct, yeah. correct. Uh, and I think he's ahead of his day. Do you agree? I think he's a future yeah. player I think that's way ahead of a lot of players in the world, not yeah. just City. And I think the game's got to catch up to him Yeah. because he's... You're right, he's on another planet. You know there'll be people screaming at this now. That's fine. Come on, sell it, Louise. Tell me I'm right. I also think there's an element of if a team was built around him, so if it was a big fish in the little pond as such, he'd probably probably excel at this point of his career. But But so it's a lot harder for him to be the little fish in the big pond. But I honestly see what I think you're seeing, Ian. I'll watch him thinking... And that thinking yeah. mo- a lot of times just doesn't work out because he's, he's ahead. But he's you can ahead. see what he's trying to you do. You see what he's doing. This goes back to what Ian said a few weeks ago, Paul. If you remember when he was talking about what the, what the fans actually want to see yeah. for football. Yeah, yeah. Do fans want to see yeah. this this type of player or do they want to see just goals? And, and it's about what you want to see from a football match. And like we said, different fans want different things from football. Some people just want goals and, and glory. Some people want to actually watch the football and admire the football. And Gundogan is the type of player that will never please them fans that just want to see that other style of football. He's the kind of player that will only be admired by the fans that love watching tactical, organised, patient Appreci- football. Appreciate and appreciate football. the player yeah. that he is. Yeah. Um, like you say, look, he's, he's, he's well above his time. Yeah. Gundogan's an absolute gem and to get him for the price we got him for is an absolute steal. And it might take another four or five years for people to look back at the fee we paid for him and go, hang on a minute, that central midfielder there has just moved for £300 million and we got Gundogan for just over 21 It might take another right. three or four seasons for people I, to actually I, look at I it. just think he's so overrated. He just quietly gets some of his... You mean underrated? Underrated, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always get me, me over to be honest, Nick, um, it, I don't want to put words in no, your mouth, no, 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 no. I'm glad you corrected me there because I might have had a fan base I didn't want then. Um, so, you look, you look at a guy and I can't, forgive me if I'm wrong, I can't remember him having a stinker. 
I can't remember him thinking, oh my God, that was that's rubbish. You try and tell those people are over my shoulder mm. at Everton, though. Oh, he's, he's, he's been quietly getting on with his... Exactly what you said there, Kazyadena, the likeness to him. Because he was, he was well ahead of his time, Kazyadena. As you say, we're all used to it now. But he does, he just, he's not wasteful. And that's what Pep, Pep wants that, you know. Mm. You know, it's rather than sort of like, you know, have a shot from 40 yards outside the box. Ooh. Ooh. That yeah, crowd exactly. Ooh. But we need players like him because we need to keep developing and moving on and changing yeah. our game because of what we were saying earlier that other teams are sussing us out, other teams that are getting on to us, especially the teams that dig in and heavily defend mm. at the back. We've not been able to do anything against them properly. No. So I think that we need to change our style. It's another key, it's another door. And we need players like that to, to, to do that sort of, you know, right turn and tech city mm. in a new direction. Pet, you know? Pet, Pet's reactions to what we're talking about now say it all for me. So when Gundogan does do what Ian's saying and take the extra touch, just to give himself that extra percentage chance of converting yeah. a shot or, convert, or, or completing a pass, you see Pet yeah. clapping when we lose the ball. Mm. You know, it's, it was good, but we didn't quite get over the line. When he shoots and he misses... Yes. Up, hands on yeah, the yeah. head, knees yeah. on the floor. Yeah. Why have we wasted a chance? Yeah. We were in a great because area. Then, then the ball's coming back at us. We, it's part of maintaining, keeping possession of the ball. And it's, it, 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 I kind of put it, it's if if he want if he wanted to pass, if he, he's happy, Pep's happy for us to pass the ball sideways, create room. And I've said that, it earlier. I'm glad you said the last bit of that then. Because, creating the room. Because over tick attacking, which is what is acute, I don't think Pep does like that. No, he, he doesn't. doesn't. No. No. no passing for passing say, but I said I think I said right at the beginning, setting traps everywhere. Gundogan allows us to have different traps set about. You know, you, he's not David Silva, he's not Fernandinho, he's not Bernardo Silva or anything like that. He's Gundogan that creates a different option for us because he does sort of slow the game down, but then because he slowed it down, he's opened another bit of space up for somebody else to move into, and he, he he's so underrated. It's and like, I hate it when people have a go at him. It just they know they know nothing about football. It's like I'm no a, expert, but on, on every pitch, Paul. Sorry, man. On every pitch, you know, every pitch is a different. Well, not every pitch, but certain pitches are different sizes. But a pitch is around the same size at every stadium. You'd say within a couple of yards. In the Premier League, these days, the it's pretty yeah. much yeah, yeah. a rule. So man. in the Premier League, the pitches are the same size, but it's how you manage that pitch. So, for example, you can make that pitch as big as you want and as small as you want with how you grass, tap it yourself your size. Well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, according yeah. to Pop, it can't be. It has to be yeah. cut to Liverpool's specifications. <laughs> no, I, I don't... The unfair... I can't compare the players as such or the, or the situations as such, but the play... It brings me to Dzeko going way back that all I used to hear was... Fans oh, giving him absolute yeah. rubbish, and they do anything to him back now. Yeah, well, yeah, but but the thing was was that they were only seeing what he he didn't do or yeah. what he, what the mistake he made. People weren't seeing what he did do and yeah. what he could do. And I, I still the underrated player from City fans to me, Jacko. And I just hope that Gundogan isn't the same sort of victim as such, mm. you know, oh, of, the, now of the club. You've introduced a really interesting subject here mm. because you two are obviously agreeing. And as much as I admire what Edin Dzeko did and acknowledge his contribution, I felt that City had moved beyond Edin Dzeko and that he didn't fit in. And I don't think he would fit in to this way that City play because he's not part of that passing movement. He was a finisher and he did get some crucial goals. And I'll always be. I agree with you now. I agree he wouldn't fit in now. Totally agree. But at the the time, time, it was unfair the way he was treated by our own fans. 
Because I think at yeah. the minute, the comparison with Gundogan, he's getting the same treatment. I think Edin, Edin was perfect for certain moments mm. in, the, in, 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 in certain games that we yeah. play in. Like, for example, I'm sure as fans, mm. we all look at a ball out wide, you know, uh, Bernardo whips one in or Walker whips one in and we go, uh, you know, Sterling misses it. Oh, if Zeko were there. How many times you hear it on the yeah, yeah. If Zeko were there, Zeko would have put that in. He's always the man that people go back to. Yeah. Zeko was there, he'd have put that in, no problem. Yeah. That's a perfect opportunity. You see the ball out wide and you can imagine... Yeah, I see a... a um, I don't know, I see Eddie Zeko like a, 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 a the projector or a projection <laughs> of Zeko a running hologram in, of going, Jekyll. go on, get it in. And he's the 12th man on the pitch and I'm thinking, go on, Eddie, put that in, son. And he's not even there. But yeah. you can you can already preempt what would yeah, happen yeah. if he was... There was a guy stand, stood next to me. We call him Dave the Colt, and he he he, he absolutely <laughs> no matter he did, yeah Dave. The Hang Colt. on a minute, you got to explain he's why Twitter, is he called he? Dave the Colt? Dave the Colt. <laughs> he, he he had this coat. That was, oh, is that a why? Yeah. That why? Yeah. <laughs> that might be it. Yeah. No, no. Am I Louisa the shoe? Louisa the shoe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got a he shoe. Had, he had he had he had this coat, and it was like he must have had it for about eight years, and. He started to smell a bit and everything, but he wouldn't change his coat. So everyone around him just knew him as Dave the coat. And one season, he bought a new coat. He wore it for two matches, and we 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 were rubbish. So he bought his coat back on and put his coat back on. Happy days now, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks for the explanation. So what was his wise words that you were going to come to? I don't know. I forgot now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't change your coat. Don't change your coat. No, no. But he 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 used to he used to hate. It didn't matter what he did. He hated it. And when we started singing the Edin Dzeko song, he turned his back on the song because he just hated it. Anything Dzeko did, he hated it. It didn't matter whether it was good, bad or indifferent. It was rubbish. I think with, with some fans, fans just get that. They don't, they don't. Some fans, I don't think they watch the game with peripheral vision. I think a lot of fans watch it like it's on the telly. I think a lot of fans have forgotten how to watch a game of football with peripheral vision. If you're watching it on the telly, you, the, ball, the, the camera follows the ball. So you, just, you don't see the off-the-ball runners. When you're watching it live, if you're watching it like we have for years, you watch it, you see off the ball runners. You don't necessarily watch exactly just, you know, stand there and move like that. You're watching the whole thing and you see what other players are doing. You do that, then you see what Gundogan does. You see the stuff that Fernandinho does, you know, and you see all these players. You see the movement, can't you? The movement off the ball. And and that's the key to it. It comes across to me, Paul, like once once certain fans have made their mind up on a player, no matter what that player does going forward, they will never ever be good enough. It's the old expression, I'm not going to say the word, but S sticks. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and and with us with certain players, once someone's made a judgment on a player, yeah, that's it. He's finished. Yeah, he's done. You know it's what honest. I mean? But exactly what you say, it's something that me and my mate talk about a lot. Um, that during the World Cup, I had a few disagreements with people watching Ryan Sterling. Oh, he's doing this and he's doing oh, that, and he's not doing yeah. this and he's missed yeah. that chance. And I well, said, yeah, but off the ball. what happened? You know, yeah, look at his movement. That, that yeah. chance, yeah. Yeah. he was absolutely phenomenal. So he misses a chance, yeah, from three or four yards. Now that chance wouldn't have happened. Or wouldn't have been a chance had he not have done what he did five That's or six seconds before. Drawing defenders Draw the, out. He drew yeah. the defender out. Then he's made a quick darting run to the back post. Ball's been played. He's missed. Yeah. But without that movement, that chance would have never been created. Yeah. And it's what you say. Yeah, you watch does. on TV and the camera zooms in on Sane. Who did they keep subbing him uh, for? Was it Rashford or yeah. Delhi Alley? And people were trying to compare and Rashford yeah, and Sterling. But, but I rate Rashford. The pitch, but he wasn't player. doing anything. No, but no. Because the fans weren't down on him, they weren't having a go at him. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, hang on a minute, he's just missed that or he's not quite timed that right. It doesn't matter, you yeah. know. Yeah. I, think football, I think football fans now uh, have moved away from being. Football fans are just, not all of us, but football fans are just football fans that want to see football in today's 
the way the media present football yeah, to yeah. us and the way that TV cameras present football to us. They don't actually want to be football fans that admire the game of football, that watch it that in depth. Those are the live everything. matches. Yeah. It's always been the case, though, that when you watch, on, especially when you watch highlights, uh, I mean, I, I believe that TV coverage has changed a little bit since when I was younger. So it, because obviously we had... And th- again, this, is, this is sounds, <laughs> make, makes me sound like an old biddy, yeah, and it was, in co- it was in black and white to begin with. But TV, the TV was a different shape. It was this four-to-three ratio. Well, it was and obviously, 3D because the, the screen yeah. of the telly were that yeah. big. Yeah. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm only kidding. But, but you know, that, that's how a TV was. It was a smaller screen. So naturally, I understand this, that television used to cover the game with a lot more close-ups because if you're watching on a small screen and you sat back in your armchair and you're quite a long way from it, unless you show lots of close-ups, they're just little dots on yeah. the screen. Mm-hmm, yeah. And the actual quality of the of the, the number of pixels and all the rest of it yeah. meant you couldn't really pick them out. Yeah. Now well, you can watch in Ultra HD, you can watch 4K, but even just with a normal widescreen TV... Um, you can see a lot more depth. So uh, it started, it felt to me, in Spain, because I used to watch a lot of Barcelona games years ago when City weren't great. That was my anecdote. And uh, <laughs> and I would watch the City... I would watch Schalke the, were better yeah. than us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was a Juve fan back then. <laughs> so, so you'd watch the game, and the Spanish director, now whether this was deliberate, because it was a cultural thing, whether it was just coincided with the development of television, but they started to show a lot more wide angles, so you could see a lot more of the movement. So if you watch a game now for 90 minutes on television, it isn't as frustrating as to me as it once was, where it felt like you were watching a game mm. through a keyhole. Yeah. So you could never and actually see what you wanted. Yeah. And the, bro- yeah. the broadcasting cameras now follow the, the ball, yeah. don't they? The way that the TV cameras move. And the spider cam, for example, yeah, look at spider yeah, cam yeah. on Sky Sports. Yeah. But, it's but, annoying to watch a game with spider cam in the ground, isn't it? But what was I'm mesmerised by, mesmerised by spider cam at the ground. I think but some what? of the fans are watching spider cam and not going to one. That rhymes. But what I was spider one. What I was going to say was that yes, um, you know, the game, the fifty-five thousand people are at the Etihad, um, the v- majority of them. Um, concentrated on it watched it widescreen the ultimate widescreen 3D yeah. and we can see, we can choose where we look and watch it in the way you want to watch it Paul but millions of people only saw it on match of the day or some sort of highlights program or on your phone watching a one minute version of the game or whatever yeah. and when you watch that all you see are the goals <coughs> the build up to the goals or the key moments the Edison save so you can all talk about that you can watch any sort of penalty claim from 15 different angles but actually the most enjoyable part f- for me of that game against Chelsea was actually all the stuff that never made match of the day yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah the build up stuff the, yeah. Yeah, the off the ball and, yeah. the passing the movement yeah. the, the creativity but for me the analysis is just analysis of the, what those key seen, moments it has to be yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll rubbish because otherwise they're going to start talking about something that you've not seen on the highlights going I never saw that though did Unless you, you, did watch you the see game. the clip? Um, I think uh, the official Manchester City posted it on Twitter, um, and it was of Stones and um, Edison, and it was their reaction to one of the goals. Yeah, and saw it was that. showing them, and and they were both. They you could see the thinking going on in their heads because they were both moving and following the ball wherever the ball was going. They were following it, and it's that that fascinated me. Mm. In fact, they weren't just stood in one spot waiting for the ball yeah. to come back up the pitch if it came up the pitch. They were 
thinking and moving and watching the ball and moving with the game, even though they were nowhere near yeah. the other end. Yeah, shadowing and, the and ball. That, kind of even stuff yeah. like that. If we get more stuff like that, it's like it. perhaps like the uh, controller of a foosball table, isn't it? Yeah, they're all on like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, like and, I, I like, like it. And they're all moving. The, the only response to what you just said there was the fact that when the ball comes back to the keeper, this forum automatically. Two drop right back, yeah. and then and it, they, they set into a position so that instantly they, the first season Pep came, they weren't doing that, yeah. and that's where we're coming on. The most disciplined you're doing that is Stones. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Good, you watch it now, and it's bang. You can't believe Whoever's, his age, can yeah, you? Yeah, it's fantastic. Through, through his, his maturity. It's little things like that. Yeah. I love watching him. You can see stuff. It's like it's scripted. Yeah. They know that when a ball's in a certain area, he has to be That's here. it. Yeah. We're here, bang. This but is but I saw it at, at, for England last year. Stones, sublime. Yeah. Absolutely. Played. Yeah. Amazingly. We've talked for 45 minutes nearly now about this Chelsea game and wax lyrical, so, and I think that's what it deserved. There is something else I wanted to mention about yesterday uh, because I was very proud of this uh, and I, I don't know how you all feel about it because I, I made sure I featured it in the vlog. City did a double header, Women's Super League at one yeah, o'clock, yeah. Premier League game at four o'clock. There were just over 3,000 fans who went to the women's game. Obviously, I went to both games. I talked to fans at both games. And I, and I found people who were really delighted with that. Not, not official spokespeople and all the rest of it, but normal on-the-ground supporters. Uh, now, how many of those 3,000 went to both games, I'm not sure, because actually I found that quite a lot of the people who went to the women's game then went home. So it, it, so even though in theory it was a double header and the invitation was you can go to both That's games, yeah. it still felt to me, I, I have no way of knowing this for sure, I can't prove the numbers, but it still felt to me that at least half, if not more, that went to the women's game didn't go to the men's game and that maybe the two things are still quite specialist. So obviously we've got Louisa, who is a female, mm -hmm. and we've got two gen yeah. gentlemen here as well. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just wonder, um, because I don't want this to be a patronising conversation, but how, how did you feel about the double header? How do you feel about what City were trying to do? And do you think it worked? I think it's, I think it's a great idea to, 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 to do it. Um, and I remember we did it a few years ago when we played Arsenal. Uh, the, the kids played Arsenal I think it was the under 21s played Arsenal the same day and then we went to beat Arsenal 6-3 I think in the game after I think it's a great idea because what it shows is it shows um, not, 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 not that specific thing itself but it shows that the teams are on the same it, it shows that that, that um, unity, equal, that, that unity yeah. and that they, they're both playing Chelsea yeah. the men and the women um, male and female shall I say and that it, it, it gives it that rounded kind of look. It, it gives it that yeah, professional yeah. look where they're not trying to differentiate between mm -hmm. the two. Yeah, yeah. But I think um, the fact that the fact that certain fans may have gone home, that's that's still because there's a stigma surrounding female and women's women's football. Um, and obviously, I watched the um, BT analysis with Jay Comfrey the other day. Who, on on record, I can't stand. I, I don't like him <laughs> at all. Um, but they did a really, really good. Listen, you know. They did a really, really good. I know he does, yeah. But they can, they can <laughs> listen to fan. it. And send me an email. Um, I like you, Jay. They did the. Uh, they did I the, don't. She fancies him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she did. Uh, she did the. Um, they did a, a really good interview with um, ex, ex female football player and spoke about um, you know the importance of, of of getting the message out there now that 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 female football is on the rise and 
obviously Alex Scott's been slated over the last week and some of the tweets that they read out were horrendous you know saying I that think Alex it's, Scott's it, fantastic it's a, men, it's a men's game um, this that and the other uh, uh, I think it's disgusting that we've we've got uh, female footballers on that haven't played in the Premier League and uh, you should only have pundits on that have played at that level well Ian's never played football and I know Ian's obviously a male but Ian's never played professional football but he knows his stuff so are you just saying that people that have played the game at the highest level should only be allowed to talk yeah. about football at the highest level so on record? Don't. And, and, and not don't. only that... I haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, Sorry, I don't should, know why I'm here. Should female women, <laughs> should female women then be... be female women? Right. Should female women, should female um, ex-footballers... I was going to say I've never met a male once, but I can't say that. But <laughs> going back, because I've gone off on a tangent, going yeah. back to, to the actual, um, the, the actual um, double-header... I think it's a great idea, but at the end of the day, you can't force the fans to go and watch the male game if they've not already got a ticket and they probably hadn't had a ticket for the game. Yeah. But is there a better way of promoting that prior to the game and then doing it as a double-headed ticket and yeah. then saying, buy a ticket for both games and then you don't have to pay separate? And well, I think they did, didn't they? I think you could. Couldn't you get in, half, couldn't you get in to the women's game for free or something? I know it was £7.50 as an adult I d- and you could pay on the day. I yeah, don't yeah. know if there was any sort of combination of ticket, but let me ask you directly then. Harlan, you were at the male game, I know that. Yeah. Were you at the female game? No, but I would have gone. Why? Because um, I, I plan to travel into the male game at, well, four o'clock kickoff. So I usually set off from Bolton before a kickoff, about two hours before. So why don't you set off four hours time. before and watch the female game? Um, I don't know. I mean, I like, I like, the, I like the female football. Um, obviously, that was due to prior arrangements that we made in the morning before the game. Um, but you knew it was going to be a double header. So I, 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 I think there'll be. I think there'll I'm not be having a, a go. I'm yeah, exploring yeah, yeah. motives yeah, yeah. and no, the, yeah. the I, th- I think there'll be a difference when, if and when the women or the under twenty ones or whoever gets to the level of the the men's first team, um, because if if the women were playing inside the Etihad Stadium because they had fifty five thousand fans, then I think that people would go and watch both Absolutely, of them yeah. one after the other. Um, I don't think it's just because it's female football. I think it's just because it's a heck of a long day, uh, still expenses, still, you know, yeah. you've got to think about food and drinks for all those hours. I know you've always already had these debates about uh, fan attendance and stuff and the reasons why for that attendance, and I don't really want to go into that territory because, you know, I know you've covered it. But I just think it, it just is the way it is. I don't think it's because it's female football with some fans. I think a lot of fans would quite enjoy watching a game of football no matter who it was, whether it was the under-21s on the same day playing the Chelsea under-21s or, you know, whoever it was. So uh, I don't really want to know what my point is unless I've just kind of already made it. Well, I, I, can I ask you then, because the, the danger, actually, we're in a, an area now where men are reluctant to be overly critical of anything to do with women's football mm. because then you get accused of being misogynist yeah. and all the rest yeah. of it. Now, I go and watch quite a lot of female football and I have to admit that the standard is a million miles away. Now, that's, now, that's mm. not having a go. No. It's a million <laughs> yeah, miles true. away. Yeah. So you go and watch the women's game and you think, yeah, it's good, I enjoy it. Mm. But... The men's game is like watching a different... It's, like, it's such it is, a different level yeah, that, yeah. that you think, well, how can you then draw a parallel between the two of them? Now, 
the hardcore supporters who I meet and who go to these games all say, well, it doesn't matter to me that because I'm a City fan, mm -hmm. I want to support a City team. And to be honest, if City and Barcelona, for example, have a handball team, they have a small stadium near the, the, you know, the main uh, Camp Nou and they play handball in that. And it's really impressive. It's, it's, it's the same design of stadium and everything. And that's packed out when they play. And I don't like handball. Right, but I might if I was a Barcelona fan yeah, go and support and yeah, the handball team. Yeah, yeah. But I still, I still accept that the men's football is is the thing that attracts yeah. me and I is at the highest just, standard. I think it's just where we are with with that level of that football. You're right. You're absolutely right. It is nowhere near the the men's first team level. Um, we haven't had a women's team for that long, so I think they're doing incredibly amazing absolutely. because of the length of time. So if you can, I know, I know, sort of a few years down the line. If we can excel and, you know, get the coaching staff, get the standards of their football up. For example, look at Serena and Venus Williams, especially Serena. She she plays like, forgive me for saying this, she plays like a man. She's so powerful. She's built like a man. She's, well, she is, but she's, she's worked she's to look like that. that. You yeah, know, she hasn't always been that shape and that physique. She works very hard to be that powerful. Mm. And there's nothing to say that... Manchester City as they are today with the facilities they've got that the team they've got around them that they cannot get to that level and I think if the women start up in their game and start being quite powerful I think that the female stigma will just go right out of the window do you think um, in your lifetime that you know that that playing in the main stadium if, if do you think it'll happen in your I lifetime I might get run over by a bus <laughs> <laughs> assuming that you're going to live for another I don't know four, four, 82 yeah. on Alden Road well, let, let's let, all right let me not say in your lifetime let's say do you think within the no, next, let's say, 40 years from now. I do, now, absolutely. Do I th oh, the way they've come on already, get within the next five years. Can I, can I, can I just sort of make a point here, right? These, these, these two little points I'm going to make. The first one is, I didn't go to the, the female game. I do yeah, go to yeah, the game. Yeah, so I quizzed Harlan, so yeah, were you at the yeah, game? Yeah, no. Why were you not no, at the game? <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest, I'll be perfectly honest. I'm the chairman of the supporters club. Um, so we're at Clayton, just up the road. Um, and... My part of my thing is having having the beer with me, me, me members of the sports club. So to to get there early, have a drink and then go to the ground to the it it, it kind of messed my day up. So I didn't go. Now I, I have been to the, the game because as you know I take me my granddaughter Poppy to them. So we do go to them. Um but the other part I want to make is 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 the fact that female football is if we if we take it as we take football as a whole. Female football is absolutely rubbish compared to man's football. Yeah, but if you take female football as a separate yeah. individual it's sport, men. you know, men playing that. Women's rugby is the same. You know, I, I I played rugby. My rugby club's got a female team. Um, they're great in the female sport. You played them ladies against the, the men. Obviously, they're gonna get they're gonna get beat. They can't compete. So women can't compete on the same pitch as men. But if you take the individual sport as a female sport, City are doing brilliantly. Yeah, they are. They're one of the yeah. probably the best teams, you know, I don't know, in, in the possibly in the world. I don't I don't know. I'm not I don't know how Arsenal it. went on yesterday, but I think no, Arsenal I could have gone above them. Yeah. But they're certainly in the title yeah. race. It used to be, was it Doncaster Bells, were they called or something? So, you know, if... If we if we get rid of this sort of like women's football's yeah. rubbish, it isn't. 
it's a different take it as a treat it as a different sport yeah like the under 21s yeah. isn't like the same net, level netball because it's got a ball in you know. it isn't the same as volleyball or football because they've got a ball in the title women's football and men's football take them as completely different sports but it's because City have promoted it as same club same absolutely sports. but it's it's female football yeah. I, I know some it's of the... It's nice is, to promote it like that, Paul. Absolutely. But it isn't, it isn't absolutely, that... Absolutely, but... At, at do you think that's time. wrong, then, to do that? Um, personally, I think that... I can understand why City are doing it, because they're, they're trying to show togetherness, they're trying to show that, yeah. that cohesiveness between male and, and female football and fans alike. But I think to, to, to claim that that's what it is, you almost feel forced now that if you... For example, like you, you quiz me, then you weren't having a go, but um, you, it's as if you, you're supposed to feel bad if you don't view it like that. Like, are you supposed to view it... Are you supposed to look bad now or feel bad if you don't view that as the same game? Like, I personally don't think women's football is the same as male football. Like, no, I look at it as a different game, but I appreciate it for what it is yeah. as it, in its own right. But, for example, Jess is a female, but she will always prefer well, men's football... We hope so. ...over, over female football. I think it's just because of the standard and just because it's not the norm. And I think it's because it's, 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 it's been everyone's priority for at, years, hasn't it, women's male football? Netball, look at the women's field hockey... Look how amazing we've been doing in that for years, and there's, there's no, nobody's going to switch that yeah. off when the Olympics is on or when the Commonwealth mm. or the World Championships is on. Because if our team's in the top three, they're going to win a medal. We're going to tune in. It doesn't matter if the men are women. Yeah. We're going to tune in. So if City get the women's team to such a level, and I believe they will, not just because it's women and all, oh, let's give women equal opportunities. City want to be the best at everything, and that's mm. why they built yeah. that complex across the road from the Etihad. Mm. They didn't build it just for the first team because look at all the, the training pitches there. They've built it to form, to, to put the bigger picture out there. It's not mm. just City blokes men's team this is Manchester City this is equal for everybody do you think if, do you think if they'd have put the game on after the male game in the Etihad Stadium yesterday that they might have been able to retain a lot more fans so for example say they said that we, we're going to have the male game against Chelsea <clears> and then if you if you'd like to stay for a female game yeah, it's I mean, let, let, me turn, let me turn this back on you Harlan <laughs> would you have stayed, have stayed yeah of course I would so that wouldn't have interrupted stayed, your have interrupted my day what about you would you have gone to the, to the gone club home. I'd have gone home and purely because it was a four thirty kick, it was a four o'clock kickoff. Oh, if it's on a Saturday, if it's on a Saturday, I'd have, I'd happy to stay. If it's a, it a Saturday, say with a three o'clock kickoff, we had the blokes on, and then the, the females come on after. I'd stay. Well, trust me, the reason I'm asking you this question, and and obviously Harlan understood that, was not to put him on the spot oh. or to out him or anything like that. It's to ask that question because it was done as a specific double header. You know, it could have been that the two games were on two separate days and then all that convenience of going and people would have just chosen. But they did it as a double header. So as a double header, taking everything else out of account, is a double header too much to expect? I mean, you know, you said before, Louisa, about the food and the drink mm. and there's obviously the cold as well mm. on a day yeah, like that. I was yet. freezing at the women's yeah. game. Yeah. It wasn't as bad at the men's game. I don't know why. Is it because the ground's bigger and it's got more protection yeah. from the weather? But Something whatever reason, maybe. it wasn't as cold. And I was actually, I didn't, I thought it'd be just as cold because I'm coming out of the ground with my hat on and freezing and then I go in the other one and I'm thinking, oh, I don't feel as bad now. It must have warmed up. No, it hasn't warmed up. Yeah. It's a difference. So is it too much? So the, the real question at the end of all this, we've had an interesting debate, is does the double header work? Could do it if it's done in the right order. <laughs> don't, yeah. If it's done in the right order. If it's done in the right order. And I mean, 
you put the female game at the Etihad. If you're going to do it on that specific weekend, you're going to trial it. Yeah, do it. Put it on it in the Etihad yeah. after the game. If it's a three o'clock kickoff, like Paul said, yeah. if you want to stay, stay. If you don't want to stay, don't stay. But then I think that would show that same club continuity that City mm. are looking to get because then you'd look around and you'd go right I'm watching women's yeah. football in the Etihad after the men's game yeah, you'd yeah, be able yeah. to make a direct comparison to what yeah. you'd watch the night even, even have it, female even have it in, the, in the stadium you know have it, if they're going to have it have it in the main stadium so you get to the ground a bit earlier the atmosphere's building up like we used to build the atmosphere yeah. at the matches, the atmosphere is building up. I think you have had it up. in the stadium before. I'd rather you've got 4,000 <laughs> fans in there, 6,000 fans in there building up, and then and then the football's over, the ladies are over, and then the atmosphere's already building, ready for the gents. So you'd do the women's game first. Yeah. I do, but in the stadium. I'm going to do the women's the game Etihad. second. Yeah. I'm, 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 my job some, when I'm doing this is to put the other side of the argument psychologically, how bad would it look if there'd been 55,000 there for the men's game, yeah. final whistle goes and they go, in half an hour, the women are going to start their game and everybody goes. Yeah, everyone's gone, yeah. But see, the thing yeah, is, you'd, 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 you'd see that anyway because you'd have people <laughs> trickling into the women's game and you'd still have the same amount of fans in well, a way. Well, fans are the... trickling in anyway, aren't they? So you'd have a bit yeah. of a build-up. So you'd, yeah, have, yeah. you'd go have the females on first. So you'd have, you'd have an excuse for it building. Than emptying. And allowed to drink yeah. on the terraces with your pint. <laughs> oh, now we're opening up a new so can random. of worms. That's so random because I do it accidentally. <laughs> thing and is, people, they just let me walk past. I go, all, all right, you're about, right. You, can, you, you can right right get away with it. I do. At yeah. the ladies, you can actually drink on the terraces. <laughs> can you? Yeah. Is that why you go? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 I take my grandkids and my missus pictures up after. It's great. You've known Paul a lot longer than me. But I know that every, yeah. con- every conversation we have on any debate show, on the podcast or the vlog, Ian will always bring it back round to a pint of beer. Every conversation <laughs> leads to a pint of Stella or something like that. I don't, I, I, I don't know where this hour's gone, but it's gone. Um, so I'm going to draw a line to it. Thanks very much to the three of you for coming and talking. Um, and the next podcast we're going to record... Uh, next Monday. Now, I know that Paul, because normally I travel with Paul to away European games, he's setting off on his road trip on Monday evening. So, Paul definitely won't be here, but I will be. And uh, maybe Harlan yep. will be. Maybe Who knows what the mob will be next week, but it definitely won't, won't be, be Paul. Me. So, it won't be all censoring back around the beer. So, we're going to record Please another one. Please tune in, though, just because I'm not on it. You can still listen. <laughs> you can listen to it in, on your road trip, can't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, we will record a new one next Monday night. Um, thanks very much to uh, the Holiday Inn for, for being our host. Thanks very much to D&W Cars of Castleton for being the sponsors of this podcast. And I urge you to follow them at D&W Cars. You'll see the Twitter um, handle when I uh, put it out. And, uh, and by the way, they're, 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 they're sponsoring my journey down to Wembley. Wow. Whoa, yeah. with, a, with a nice car. Wish which... it sponsored me a new car. But anyway. well, well, that car will be for sale, <laughs> Louisa. So yeah. you, when you see me driving this car down, you can maybe put an offer in. What yeah. is it? Is it, is it a Jaguar or something? Oh, like that, well, we'll see. we'll see. And if it breaks down, Paul, where do they go? Prestige car repairs. <laughs> and on that note, I do a promo every week. Every week. <laughs> on that note, um, we'll cut that bit out of the podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.